Ladies and gentlemen, the, the day is happening where hell is frozen over. I have a cop in my home right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's here. I think he sees me. I'm not too sure. but You're bright enough. I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> he's making jokes about the complexion of my skin already. We can, we can see because I'm a pale man covered in bright, bright tattoos. I'm in, I'm in deep, people. Dude, thank you, uh, thank you for coming on. Really oh, no problem. It. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just to give a little bit of background, uh, before you got into law enforcement, you were in the military. Is that I, correct? I was in the military. Spent several years active duty, and I'm currently in a reserve capacity. Um, prior to doing law enforcement, I actually worked in computers. So, well, fucking nerd. Yeah, no. I always tell people. <laughs> I always tell people like I'm a I'm a knuckle dragging nerd. Ah, that's, so that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I look like I would be like that, and I'm just a pussy like through and through. But yeah. compu- computers though. Now that uh, what'd you do uh, in the military? Uh, so I worked on weapon systems with aircraft, and then now I do military police. So stark differences between the two but a lot of things stay the same so you were um you were uh if i'm not mistaken you were up in dc uh whenever uh they were uh, putting you guys in uh in fucking parking garages and shit like that <laughs> so i lucked out i wasn't one of the uh the units that ended up in the parking garage okay so that was well, i mean that's where the danger was clearly the most i guess <laughs> i mean the people that say that um it was a texas unit that ended up down there and it was literally uh, just because there were so many of us in the city. Like, there was nowhere to put everybody. Like, there was... So they sang one Texas out out of uh, all the groups. They're just like, eh, fuck them. They're hard enough. Well, I don't... <laughs> and the thing is, is that, like, we... So, because there were so many of us, they had to set us up in different... Um, different hotels that they could get that were within reason of being able to respond to stuff in the city. On top of which, like... A lot of the buildings in the what you call it capital complexes mm-hmm. and like the both of the Senate and the House offices and then the Supreme Court like a lot of the places got made into like makeshift barracks because there were so many of us it, it kept from the um, the little bit of, of journalism and fake news that I was seeing coming out of it it kind of looked like like a DMZ of, uh, of sorts like it did not I've been to DC like right. probably like six or seven times. It's been a minute. Right. But like I've 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 been there. I had never seen it look like that. Like And it was my f- first time going to DC and so it was very um it was very different to see, you know, like the nation's capital in that sort of light. And granted it's, the purpose of us being there was to provide protection for the you know the government process and everything like that. Right. It's not the fact that we in the military we don't side with any side of the of the aisle or anything like that. It's our our duty is to protect the Constitution, make sure the government continues to operate as it should, and defend and just defend everybody. So I mean, and then like while you're out there, you get people who would say like, oh, well, you're just here for them or why are you doing this for that? And it's just like, we're not here for the political part of it. Like, we're right. here to ensure the safety of the public as well as the continuity of the government continuing to run. It's like, it's part of the constitutional process. 
we swore or to uphold the Constitution. Yeah. So it's not necessarily going against any one side or another because in the military you have people from all walks of life you know like you'll have a dude from like the Bronx like who's lived there his whole life listened to nothing but rap music and then you'll get the country bumpkin from like West Virginia who's part of his teeth are missing (laughs) but the funny thing about the military is like you ended up you end up in a unit with this person and you'll go to like a cookout that everybody will have and you'll have like the country boy from West Virginia doing the stanky stanky leg, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's a it's a unique thing, and a lot of people um, don't see it because you have to be in it to understand the experience and the culture of it. Right. But you get people from all walks of life, and we all decided that one day that hey, this is something I want to do. You know, you care enough about the country and you want to defend it. So everybody's in on it. Right. It's it is kind of interesting how like some of these principles, right, whenever like you, you think about the the philosophical or the ideological principles of America. And like in particular you have all of these uh, branches of service, right? Public service, milita- uh, military service, uh, what what have you. And these notions sort of just got lost in the wind in the last couple of years where it became well I don't like this or I don't like uh, a symbol for this it normally became like either Trump or not Trump you know what I mean right and then boiled down into the 2020 election where you had two different versions of old man winters like on the on the ballot Which is like, all right, which do you want? It's like, oh God, man, can we can we just say like coin toss at this or some shit? But um, you know these these ideals that really, to me, like uh, if you look at though the party is not reflective of it, but if you look at sort of like what republicanism sort of meant like way back in the day, it was communal living where it's like. How's your community thriving? Right. Like you're not letting outsiders come in and put the boot down to where, like you know, you're being subservient to them. Right. You know, it's it's that small town living. Right. So like you had these notions that it, it still applies to constitutionalism as well, where it's like, hey, everybody gets the same, like the same treatment, the same justice, everything, and whenever you can agree on that as far as like, well, we want to focus on the, the prosperity of this really, really big community that we call our country, right? right. You, you put aside your own personal ideologies in order to achieve the greater good, which is coexistence of everybody's ideology. Right. And I, I think people have sort of lost sight of that whenever they look more so at law enforcement now than say military military more so back in the vietnam days where it's just like god why are you hating these people like so much like, right and, and it's just like the the vietnam vets got the like i think out of everybody they got the worst of it no doubt because it was during a time like where you you would have where you know more and more people were going to college and everything like that but you, you know you still had the old systems of you know military drafts and everything like that because what would happen is because it costs a lot of money for the government to maintain like a large standing force right so back in those days you would have like you know you'd have a standing military force of you know like of career 
career uh, soldiers, sailors, and everything like that. But in times of war, like, hey, we need to bump up these numbers so you would have the draft and everything like that. But how things are now, that's not necessarily the case. But with Vietnam, with everybody wanting, aspiring to go to college because college was the big ticket back then. You yeah. Know, like, well, you it kept go, you out of the draft for one thing. Well, you know? well depending, <laughs> depending on where you were from, you could be able to stay out of that draft. But, um, but even then, like, they got it the worst. And it, I don't, necessarily think it might be a fair shake to think that law enforcement is getting it as bad as they did mm-hmm. but I mean even just a short time that I've been a police officer like I've seen like the change to go from like every nobody likes dealing with police like absolutely nobody hey even cops whenever they're just <laughs> even cops normally when we're just on our every normal everyday and stuff like that we get blue light we're just like god what is it like why so but the thing is about being a cop is like you're you're never dealing with anybody on your on their best day. Right. Like every time the police are called it is always either I mean it could just be a normal day for some people but I mean a lot of times it's people's like their worst day and when they're at their worst. So the the opinions of people with social media like in technology and everything like that now I think it makes information, which is great, you know, more shareable and everything like that. But then what you end up having is you got people who are more anti-police than others be like, oh, well, this happened to me. And then everybody jumps in and be like, oh, they shouldn't did this. Because everybody thinks that they're, everybody nowadays thinks that they're a lawyer, that they know the law. <laughs> like, no, seriously, like, I, I got, I've gone on calls where people were just like, I know the law, I know the law. And I'll be like, you know, I can go in, in my car I could pull you out the actual, you know, like the, the, the U.S. The actual, code, the U.S. code, and the Georgia code, <laughs> and put it right there, and be all like, okay, so here's where we are, <laughs> okay? Like, read this and tell me if if this is what you think is going on. Right. No, I wants to do that, of course, but some people like it's just it's just weird because you got people. Everybody thinks that that they know the laws and everything like that. I was just like, okay, well. To an extent, like you are partially right, but it doesn't apply to that circumstance because a lot of times people think like, "Oh, well, I ain't doing anything wrong, so I don't have to talk to you." It's like partly you would be right. Normal in normal circumstances, you would be right. But if somebody's calling in reference to you doing something that might be criminal activity or something like that, mm. gives gives us what's called um reasonable suspicion so there's different there's different ways that uh rules that we have to apply by and where probable cause means we think that a crime has been committed which means we can make an arrest on it reasonable suspicion is pretty much so we can have like in, conduct an investigation talk with people and right like well it'll give you at least enough power to detain them to sort of figure out what's going on right, right. and and that's what people don't understand is that there's a difference between being detained and versus being arrested people think that detain and arrest are the same thing mm-hmm. and they're completely different i've detained people and put them in handcuffs and sat them in the back of the car and once i figured out that they were good i was just like okay well i'm sorry for you know what's going on and everything like that but you're no longer being detained. You're not under arrest. No charges. The investigation's clear. This is everything's done. You're good to go. It's just going to be a report. Your name's going to be in it, but you ain't got to worry about court. Nothing going on your record or anything like that. So generally, when I explain to people 
who end up in cuffs and then I end up releasing them the whole process, people will be like, oh, okay, thanks. Because a lot of times there are some officers like who won't explain the process to them. And a lot of times it's in order to get somebody to get from being like up here to like an 11 to getting them back down to like, you know, at least a five or something dealing with them with their <laughs> is just explaining the process and that assuring people is that, look, if you haven't done anything, you're going to go home. It's like if we can't, if there's not enough probable cause to make an arrest, like you're going to go home. And sometimes people are just detained because they're just aggravating the situation. You know, you're trying to investigate between two parties. Somebody over here just wants to yell and hoop and holler and say, you don't talk to them or anything like that and want to get in between everything. It's like, well, you can detain them because essentially, in a way, what somebody's doing by being all loud and getting in and interrupting the investigation is it's kind of like disorderly conduct. Well, it's, so, a, it's a obstruction. You could argue that if nothing else. I'm not saying so, it is, but I mean, like, think about it because, like, if just circumstantially right if there's like six corpses without heads in the middle of the cul-de-sac and right. like you're that's, a pretty, that's a big extreme right that, there i'm just saying i don't want to be on that call well now you are so like <laughs> and like you you're trying to talk like these two people and then you know jim the uh the the cop hating a cab uh uh, a neighbor is like screaming and hooping and hollering and meanwhile you still got six headless bodies right here right. trying to deal with I would imagine that would be an obstruction of justice so to so that's it, fringe idea that's, I know that's on the way extreme side of it because like if you just go based off of the fact even that if it's just one I'm headless to, body that's still I'm trying to talk to somebody and somebody's completely interrupting telling them not to speak to me or getting in the way of everything like that you can't articulate it if you want to try to arrest someone me personally I'm not like I'm just gonna be like <laughs> go on right because that's just more paperwork but even then it's it's not necessarily worth it for you know to try to charge somebody for you know obstruction or disorderly conduct just because they're just running at the mouth right so and that's and that's how a lot of us deal with it it's just like you can run your mouth all you want you know as long as we figure out what actually is going on now when they start coming in and start messing with stuff then it becomes a different story but as far as just people run their mouths it's just like you just let them do it and <laughs> you just can carry on with your investigation. Shit's got to get old after a while, though, man. I'm it, sure, like the like uh, you know, I did a, I did telemarketing for a little bit, and right. the first first couple of months of that, they're kind of soul crushing psychologically because people will tell you whatever they fucking want whenever right. you're in this certain group they hate, and right. cops and telemarketers are definitely these little niche groups that certain well, people are just like, oh fuck them. Fuck all of them. Yeah, I mean, it does get old, but I mean, it's just, it comes with the job, though. True. It's like, you, being a cop isn't what it used to be. Um, would it be nice if all law enforcement could go back to, you know, to like Andy Griffith, Mayberry type <laughs> policing to where it's just like, we're just handling, you know, small little disputes with people and everything like that. Like, yeah, that would be great because I'm most cops that I know from all over like if we don't have one single call we don't have to make any arrests we're good with it um it's a good day because that means like 
I mean, it's just peaceful. Right. Like everybody everybody likes peace. But the law enforcement, a lot of times, a lot of us come into it, you know, to just make sure people have peace, you know, to ensure that, you know, the people who are victims, you know, they get, you know, the justice that they deserve. Also making sure those who are being accused of crimes that they didn't commit, you know, you try and make sure that, you know, people aren't wrong. And it's a strong sense of like duty and justice that I think brings a lot of people to law enforcement. Nowadays, though, it's harder to get people who have strong sense of duty and everything like that to come into law enforcement just because of the climate. And the climate is becoming less uh, hospitable to law enforcement, but at the same time, it's being less hospitable to, you know, the communities. Yeah. So you've seen crime, crime rates have been like going high and everywhere and more and more cops I mean even cops that I know are just like you know it's not worth it you know they either try to find like a, another place to go you know that doesn't have such a high um, crime volume or anything like that because they still want to do the job and you have like a lot of them who are who are just getting out completely my, one of my buddies who, who loved being being a sheriff's officer up north in, in Philly he loved it and then with everything that's going on, he was just like, "No, nah, I'm done." And he was just done. He Dude, just I, walked away I, from it. I don't blame him, man. Like, uh, like we were talking before we got started. Like, it was uh, when I was up there. I left in the like last week of 2011. So when I was up there, like uh, it was it was still like like a really nice area. Like I would just take the train into Philly by myself sometimes, and you know. Just walk around and like if, even at night like sometimes I would just like like I'm just gonna take the train go to a bar watch a show and mm-hmm. I'll find a way back I'll find a train station yeah wouldn't wouldn't fucking do that now man like it's it's a um it's a weird type of lawlessness that 2020 sort of introduced like right. kind of like you said on on both sides because you you had one like not enforcing the laws in certain communities I mean thank goodness you know valdosta like was just sort of like uh we don't really know what's going on with y'all we're gonna get back to business and just keep going thumbs up to the the bible belt in florida for being the fucking trailblazers of 2020 yeah but um in in like certain areas in uh, right across from philly is particularly in jersey like these these law enforcement departments started like like forcibly arresting people that were breaking government edicts on the COVID. Like there were no laws. Like they weren't breaking any constitutional laws, and they were like coming in essentially as these stormtroopers and like arresting people because like what well, they they didn't have their business shut down for another six months after they already forcibly shut them down. And that's that's like the. Things like police brutality, like over the years, like being a '90s kid and seeing like Rodney King and shit like that, like it was, yeah. it was kind of in my conscious already. Right. But they they seem to be microcosms where it's like, hey, whatever's going on in this department, if somebody killed somebody that wasn't a justified kill, like they murdered them, doesn't matter if they're a cop or not, like you just fucking charge them. Period. Right. And you, and, and in all honest reality, the thing is, is that that happens like more often than not like where people because like as as it is like most apartments around the united states we all have body cameras now yeah so literally any use of force like any like 
any use of force goes under review. Like all uses of force go under review as far as, you know, the policy for what, you know, my department does. And a lot of policies that I know for other agencies, you know, if somebody says like, hey, there was a complaint of excessive force and everything like that, or even just the fact that you even used force in general, you, there's separate reports that have to be made for that. Right. So there's a lot of accountability that happens within departments that the public doesn't see. And a lot of the processes and stuff like that, people don't see it. But just because um, somebody's wearing a badge, like, um, <clears throat> you think like, oh, well, you know, he he hit this dude like uncon like for no reason right and if you go through it and you look at the body camera footage and what sometimes a lot of these videos that you see online and everything like that they won't they don't necessarily catch the you know the five punches that the guy who's getting arrested through no they should but they but they reaction. get that <laughs> they get that final one punch and it's just like oh well, he just hit him in the face for no reason it was just like well like there's um, there's a whole there's a whole lot of other circumstances that lead to that you mm -hmm. know and so I think what a lot of times people need to do is they need to step back and be like okay well this is the video cut that was that people blew up on social media it's like before you formulate an opinion about anything like not even just police police action anything like a recipe or anything like that like get the whole get the whole video of it i mean because if you're like gonna make right. a recipe on on oh you're gonna make a recipe and you're like oh well, i'll just go on youtube and find it it's like you're not gonna cut the video at you know where you get the ingredients at right <laughs> like you're gonna watch the whole process all the way through i don't understand this chicken's been in the oven for like two days did you preheat the oven preheat it's just like i didn't even know i had to turn it on <laughs> Look, look, I don't have time for the ads, so I skip the first five minutes of every YouTube video that's on there. Um, and the ads do get old, though. Uh, well, they'll, they'll say, like, oh, just get YouTube Premium. I'm like, fuck that. That's not... an extra an extra streaming bill. Yeah. Where streaming now is, like, <laughs> costing more than having cable television. It's it's kind of weird, right? Because it, like, it was, like, a joke, like, about 10, 15 years ago that, like, cable companies would, like, break off from like this cable provider and then they would just charge you like for their channel like right. exclusively it's like well, nobody's gonna do that nobody has that much content right yeah one decade later right <laughs> even disney's just were like oh yeah like mickey's fucking child molesting ass steps in with uh you know, <laughs> oh boy we've got all the shows you need <laughs> just bring your kids oh, and wow. your money <laughs> But I mean, it is, it's crazy. Delicious though. fucking money. <laughs> it's funny because, like, what do we. So, like, you were, well, you were a 90s kid, right? Oh, yeah. So, what do we do whenever we want to have, like, something that we watch later, like Netflix? You throw a, a blank VCR tape in there and you would hit record. Yeah. And you'd be like, you ha and you just have it. You would just have it. I, I, I found uh, all of these in a, a family storage unit, all these old VHSs. Some of them are like, you know, the blank ones you just copy off of TV. Right. I'm also equally terrified to go through them because they're family tapes that right. are just like found. So, heaven forbid, there's some like porn on there. Like, <laughs> like oh, God. Like, some, somebody got the late night channels. Oh, my God. Either that or it's, it's just like 
like the conception video of me like you know like my parents filmed a sex tape oh, of them God. making their own kid and then the kid finds it yeah, like I think 30 that's, plus years later I, I think that's more of a more recent thing that people do though <laughs> you would hope I don't know my parents were kind of trendsetters so oh, well they probably they could have started that's what I'm saying dude like ugh, <laughs> heaven forbid but um no no to like um what you're talking about with the um you know these uh, these videos online that will go viral. There was some, um, it's like a, a pretty much like a Russian troll company that would find videos of like like uh, police like bad police interactions or something before body cams and shit like that. Right. And they would find them, trim them, and then upload them to uh, like Twitter or something, and uh, with all these. Uh, Fake profiles. Oh yeah, I've seen those. And but then they, but so it would generate all this buzz because all the fake profiles would interact with each other and right. share this video more and more. So it would gain traffic. Right. And it started this this and trend of just like like look how much police brutality is going on. Like some of them are like these are like a decade old. Yeah. Like, no, I've seen some. So I've seen some videos, and there were more of recent videos of like um, how cops do things down in like South America and then and versus like what we do up here <laughs> so if you're a cop you already know it's like that's nowhere in the United States how they do it but somebody will take that video from down there and then put like some little like oh this happened in I don't know like Omaha Nebraska or something <laughs> like that and try to pass it off and it's just like oh my god I can't believe Omaha PD is doing this it's just like they're like Omaha PD doesn't carry FN fouls whenever they're doing stuff. Like, that's a South American thing. And that's why I always say that it take just do a little bit of research. Just a little bit of research whenever you whenever situations arise. Get more information. Because a lot of people like to say, like, oh, I'm educated. It's like, okay, well, just because you have a college degree doesn't mean that you're actually educated or you're smart. Mm. True. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a uh, an idiot genius myself. So the only genius part comes from me being able to create stuff. You know what I mean? But like, even then, it's a genius in its own right. Yeah, though. yeah. The but idiot it, part is like the well-spoken thing that you're hearing now. <laughs> like, like it's it's pretty self-aware. You know what I mean? But like, I, I I agree like totally on that. Like, there are some people I know that they do very well with academia. Like right. exceedingly well with academia. I'm not one of those people. I get bored with academia, but I like I like information. I like learning. Right. Know? I mean, I work with data f for a living, so like I being able to sort of like look at things uh, objectively or at least from different perspectives kind of behooves my paycheck in a way. You right. know what I mean? So like I have I noticed like whenever uh, Trump had sort of become this avatar for like. Americana, or you know, this American spirit, or whatnot, and uh, you know, uh, then the uh, the argument of uh, him saying like find people on both sides about the Charlottesville thing, mm -hmm. and I saw the hysteria with that. I was like, but I saw it was only like this two second clip. And right. At this point, I was already sort of hip to like fuck the news and right. like you know, I, I sort of got that way after nine eleven. I was kind of like, I don't really like the news like all that much. Right, but. Um, I saw that, like, in the whole context of it, if you wait, like, 45 seconds, he reiterates his point. And he's like, and again, I'm not talking about the white supremacists or the neo-Nazis. They should be condemned totally. I'm talking right. about other two people. But still, like, even the news, like, and 
quote unquote fact checkers online would still support that like like yes this is an example of him supporting uh, white nationalism it's like he literally denounced like what he was talking about like 15 seconds earlier yeah, yeah. yeah. but they'll I'll take this little snippet and that's all people need it's kind of like the 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 meme that has like all like uh, all these facts you know like you said take right. an image of like these like uh, you know really really corrupt police in Brazil and like then saying it's you know from Omaha Nebraska right like 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 they're they're arresting this this poor family because they were bringing medicine to their grandmother who wasn't here legally right you know abol- abolish all borders it's like what the fuck is this shit about man it. it... <sighs> But but like you said, people aren't even willing to even ask what's this about. They're just well, let me be enraged about this. Well, I, and I think it's partly so. A, a lot of it comes from the fact of like with technology and everything. Like everybody's got like almost like a supercomputer in their pocket. So like any information that there's information on is readily accessible to everybody, right? And so I think the convenience of that made people more lazy about it. So you don't have to be as objective like before, like back in the day to where it's like, well, you got news sources, but you didn't like before the Internet. You just like, well, let me go look, go to a library and let me look up, you know, the history of this, yeah. you know, this topic and everything like that. Too much time. I'm a simple man. Well, <laughs> but that's the thing is that a lot of people, it will take you no time to, to do that nowadays. You literally could pull out your phone and just a simple Google search for if you want to use Trump's speech, for example, the Charlotte speech, is to actually watch the whole speech of what he said. Yeah. And you'd be like, okay, well, that's not, uh, like, it's true, but it's not 100% true. Right. And that's the problem is that people aren't looking for what is the whole truth. It's just, just en- they just want just enough information just to be like, oh, okay, to go along with, you know, what their already preconceived ideals are. Yeah, their confirmation bias. Yeah, they just need that confirmation on it. And you ever, when, uh, ever seen that uh, old 90s movie, uh, My Cousin Vinny? Yeah, love that movie. There's uh, there's this uh, one line whenever uh, the, the two kids are being, well, they're not kids, they're college kids, but uh, they're being investigated for the murder. And right. he's asking them in the interrogation room, he's like, when did you shoot the clerk? And the guy looks at him like, puzzle he's like i shot the clerk he's like yeah when did you shoot him he's like i i shot the clerk right but whenever they're reading back the, 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 transcript, the transcript of the quote-unquote confession in court right it's like, it's like i asked him when did you shoot the clerk he replied i shot the, the clerk, clerk. <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and it just takes just a little bit of just just like okay well he said that and you just be like, well, that's kind of a little far-fetched to say. Just to, just using, like, common sense. You know, right. Just God-given common sense. Well, I think a lot of fucking people just don't... Probably they have, but, like, they've tucked it away in a dark corner of their brain. <laughs> and choose just to just not open it until, like, okay, well, I really need some... Like, this, this is really isn't making sense. Let me go find that box that I hid in the corner of my mind right. and open it up just to see if I'm messed up or not. What, it's like a, almost, uh, I was talking about this with some friends of mine, like some uh, adults are sort of drunk on Disney in a way, and not to keep using 
Disney as an example that's just, just drinking good. the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. Where like of of pop culture of like you know, Team Netflix, Team Hulu, Team right. Amazon, whatever it may be, where they're just so engrossed in that, and that has like the fiction is more real to them than what's actually going on. So because they're so engrossed in this this uh, alternate reality that's being spoon-fed to them through these screens, whenever real information comes in, well, they're going to be more susceptible to be taking it in from the same people if they're seeing, say, like, actors, movie stars. Right, but, like, think about what is somebody's reality, though. Like, how much, like, uh, one person's fiction is is another person's reality. Yeah. Think about it. It all depends on, like, you know, what their what their mentality, you know, like what their consciousness accepts. So if you spend your whole time, you know, going, if this is the pop culture, is this is where like the realm in which you live in, right? Whatever is happening in that, that is your reality versus somebody like, you know, a kid from a farm who doesn't have that much interaction with pop culture. Right. Their reality is completely different. So that's where I think that um, the whole reality and fiction thing it, it becomes subjective somewhat because one person's reality like one person's fiction can be another person's reality and vice versa you know like you could somebody who's ingrained into pop culture you know sit there and be like oh man you know I love going out in the woods and you know camping hunting and everything like that and they could think that, that, that people don't do that anymore you know what I'm saying <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty fucking common down here. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, where it's um, it's the adventure, right? Because it's something that you don't normally do, right? You know, um, yeah, versus like someone who like you know grows up in the Great Plains and like say like Kansas or somewhere and yeah. like a town with like thirty people. Well, to them, it's it's going to the city or going to the beach or something like that. Like it's it's not real to them. They can't right. they can't get off the farm. But they're right. like, oh, one day I'm gonna have enough. And I mean, it, and a lot of times, you know, people are just in their own bubbles. Oh yeah, and they're just in that bubble. Well, especially like uh, these ideological bubbles that you know where it's it's like groupthink, where it's like. Um, Kind of reminds me of this uh, old uh, study that was done psychologically about conformity, where they would put one person in a uh, in a room, and uh, they would not be in on the uh, experiment. Right. And they then you would have like four or five other people, and they would start uh, or this teacher sort of role would start asking questions, and everybody would say the answer aloud, and then they would start asking like simple math questions and they would give the wrong answer and the person who's not in on it would like look puzzled right but then agree like with everybody else right and even as it went on and like where there was like certain things where it was like you know two plus two equals five right everyone's like true and the guy's sitting there he's like like can't believe that he's saying it but he's like true he's like, right yeah, it's true well and i seen something recently to where they put a group of people like we're in an elevator right mm. and everybody was who's already in the elevator was already in on it so the door would open but everybody was facing the back of the elevator yeah yeah same same experiment and so uh, yeah. somebody would walk in and they would you know look at the door where you know it's gonna open at and then you would just see them just like slowly turn and 
look at the back of the elevator and more people would come in and it'd be the same thing. Yeah. And I think there was like one person who just like looked at everybody and was just like, I don't know what they're doing, but like, I'm gonna, my door is gonna open up right here. There's right. no door back there. There's, um, it kind of ties in with the, um, I think it's called the broken window theory or broken window effect or something like that. Mm. So it's like, um, like something like crowd control. Like say if like, uh, you know, a, a protest turns into a, a, a quote unquote, mostly peaceful protest, right? So if you, if you see like, uh, people aren't too inclined to start damage. Like they're not, most people are just like wanna, you know, right. tread back and not be noticed. But if somebody else has already started damage, say like somebody smashes a window, right? More people then are gonna be like, well, well, it's already broken, so it doesn't really matter if I contribute further right. to its destruction. And and that's literally what it is. And like I don't, I can't necessarily say one hundred percent whether it's true or not. But I mean, you have agitators in in these. You know, we're gonna call them what they are. Like they're riots. Like peaceful protests would go on throughout the days through most of the cities throughout the United States but as soon as darkness hit because and that's generally when a lot of criminal activity occurs because you're you have the element of of um of night you know to be able to hide you know provide concealment for you know your face or especially with masks now you can't oh, yeah. even see anybody so it it gives people that Advantage of being like, well, I can just start agitating a crowd and start throwing stuff, burning things, you know. And when, when enough people, if prodded enough or angered enough, people who came there just to be a part of the protest end up getting wound up into it. So there are people who like that is their actual goal is to not not necessarily tear up the city but just to start it so that way they could just wash their hands of it because a lot of times what happens is people will agitate crowds and stuff like that but as soon as as soon as like you know everybody's enraged and you know throwing stuff and breaking property and all the other stuff that one person who started it's no longer there anymore They've gone somewhere else to yeah. try to do it somewhere else in the city, or they've gone home because they're just like, I'm not going to get caught. I'm not going to get pepper sprayed. I'm not going to be one of these people who get arrested. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, uh, around this time last year that, um, you know, uh, all the uh, the uh, George Floyd uh, protests started popping off and started seeing these weird things where, like, they would have pallets of bricks set up for, like, protesters already. Like, yeah, ready to go. And I, I seen articles about that. I actually saw what is it? Um, one of the guys that I from he was a uh, what was it? What's more, yeah, please. Um, he was he was in. I, I wanted he was somewhere in Texas, and he remembered um walking through like walking through during the day, and there was just like a random pallet of bricks. That were that were there was no construction or anything like that, and he was just like, "Well, that's weird." And he was there for like you know training, training at a base nearby, so he went back to his hotel. And then as the riot as the riots occurred, he would sit there. He could sit there and see out the window where these pallets of bricks were, and people were grabbing grabbing from these random pallets of bricks that were in these cities. Yeah, yeah, not so random piles of bricks, uh, honestly. 
Like it's, you know, like with me, appreciate it. Got some more filtering, but um, one of the one of the things that, because you know, I, I, uh, I like conspiracies and things like that. Right. It really fascinates me. But one of the things that sort of set me off to this sort of being more than just a a random occurrence was that I didn't see anybody wearing masks in the George Floyd video. I didn't see one person wearing a mask. And it was at like the height of like COVID. And I was like, this kind of seems like this is purposely being pushed out, which I mean, yeah, it's a fucking snuff film in essence. You know what I mean? Like, and no matter, uh, (laughs) no matter if you think it was because of the drugs that killed Floyd or the, the uh, the officer Chauvin uh, on his uh, on his neck and back that did it. It's bad optics either way. No, but and one thing about that whole George Floyd thing is it's like you literally had everybody like all all law enforcement were just like nah that was bad. Like I couldn't think of like every single officer that I knew, all the people that I know around the country who were in law enforcement. Everybody was like yo this is bad. Like he shouldn't have did that that goes against anything that we're ever trained, you know, to, to do, because anytime we have, like you have, excuse me, somebody who's complaining of like a medical complaint or something like that, we are duty bound to, to give aid. Right. Right. And everything like that. Now, all the circumstances, like you and me, we could go back and forth about, you know, what they should have did versus, you know, what they did do. I mean, people have been doing that since last year, but I mean, you, you got to render aid to people when, when they're complaining about stuff like that. Do I think that, like, you know, everybody, nobody had a mask on, so that way everybody could be easily identified on that level? I don't think that was the case. I think it was more so the fact that, like, COVID was new. Mm-hmm. So mask mandates were kind of new. Nobody was really, um, you know, how, how, how hard was it when it first started? Like, you, people were like, oh, there's mask mandates. And then you'd go into a store and yeah, be all like, my mind I think went more to um, as far as like on the uh, the far fetched part of it, like yeah. as far as what it could be, was that it happened pre COVID and that they held on to it and then released it. I don't think it was that. I think that just happened when it did. Yeah. And people weren't just used to wearing masks. Because I mean for I mean me personally, like for the longest time I was just like I was just like, oh god! Like I'd get out on the call and be like, oh god, I gotta grab my mask out of my car because I didn't sit in my patrol car <laughs> when I'm by myself wearing a mask driving around town. Because I mean, it's yeah. Georgia; it's hot. Yeah, I've got this fucking womb broom on my face. One, what's what's a mask really going to do to protect it? Not not much, but I understand the placebo effect. People want to look, you know, look comfortable. But if it. Whenever I was going into the grocery store a year ago and I had to put a mask on to get my groceries, like I would just tie a bandana on, but I'm not going to sit in the car. I would see people. I still see people driving around. They I got, do too. They got a mask on. I'm like, what? Like, what, what are you scared of, dude? Like, what's... Breathe. Something, man. It, and it's... It's the fear of the unknown, I think, for a lot of people, is that um, information about it has been back and forth so people will be like well the last solid thing the most 
information that they got, the most solid stuff that you know people considered they got, was for the better part of the year, people said wear a mask. Masks are good. So people were just like, well, that's the most solid information. It was consistent for the longest period. So they're going off of that information, everything like that. And then with COVID still being out in the news and everything like that, and people saying the effects and all this other stuff, and even though people are vaccinated, that they should wear a mask and everything like that, I think people will just be like, okay, well, it's still a threat. So they just keep on keeping on. I think they're going to keep on keeping on. That's the thing that, like, has me sort of like. I, th- I think a lot of this stuff is all sort of like connected in a way to how we've been um, sort of psychologically conditioned. So like the uh, the uh, enrage bait videos of like police brutality right. and like this fear porn that they have of like the mask and like the sickness and you know it's it's still going to be a threat and like if we're not going to get herd immunity unless everybody gets vaccinated. So. so. If I'm understanding, you think it's a, a fact of social engineering? To a certain degree, yeah. Um, I, I think um, I think we're kind of susceptible to it a little differently as like folks that had an analog childhood, and then the internet sort of came into mainstream while uh, we were like you know adolescent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No other generation is going to have that. Like, right. None. So. I think there's certain certain things that sort of like I guess like our like great grandparents generation would have had where they're like well they the the government's bringing the school books in this week <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna see uh, see what history is being taught now and then they yeah. read through like oh god <laughs> they, they left so much out it's like oh yeah but you guys are gonna be dead soon and we're gonna keep teaching this so see ya. I think that's how it's they're, they've got us looking like where we're going to be sort of that generation where we're not with the baby boomers you know right. the boomers made us right. so we're sort of detached from that sort of Gen X sort of like right. group as like the last sort of so like this little like millennial and Gen Z little pocket I don't like, even know where I even fit in on that man like I'm just like I don't know what I am I'm just in here man I'm just here for life <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of just a cultural bastard, you know. I just you just get it all, you know. Take yeah. it all in. But yeah. um, I mean, there's a common saying is that that history is written by the victor. Mm. So that you you can kind of you can kind of see that fact of like the way things go and whoever comes out on top is going to be the way the history books is going to be written. Mm. Like whoever. De- defeats COVID, like you know, whichever. I believe it. I believe it's Fauci and his Fauci ouchies. Well, not. it may be. I mean, <laughs> Fauci, like you know, Doctor Fauci might find his way into a fucking history book. And I mean, it's just because it's like the Spanish flu was in history books when I was growing up. Like mm-hmm. they talked about it. COVID guaranteed is going to be in there, you know. But it's going to the the true thing to see is, and it's probably going to be when we're old and gray and. You know, trying not to wet ourselves, but you know, figure. I'm, I'm sort of already getting there myself. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to hold that off as long as I can. But <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting, you know. Whenever you have grandkids, you know, to be like when they're in school, to be like, well, let me see your history book. Actually, they're probably like a history tablet or you know some yeah. 
some watch device that pulls up all of their stuff. It'll be a PDF, but it's got a little uh, fact checker uh, icon that pops up. It's like, see why independent fact checkers say that this history may be partly false. Right. So it'll be interesting to see like how, because we've gone through a lot from if you were born from the 80s all the way up to now. Like, I mean, you had both Gulf Wars. You had, I mean, 9-11, covid the list goes on, you know, Columbine, all this stuff, like all these things that were an issue that are like, you know, being issues today, partly were happening, you know, growing up as a kid, but it wasn't, it wasn't, didn't seem like it was as bad, you know? I don't, th- I don't think that uh, it was just being reported on like the same. I think that like, we're just like sort of bombarded now with like, News that is news that is designed to be fluff, and uh, give you a, an outlook on an opinion as well. You know what I mean, and uh, the rage bait stuff as well. So like it's because it's all about revenue with them, right? It's it, like these news companies. It's all about who's gonna pay them. Right. So currently, who's paying them a lot? Well, big pharma is currently paying them a lot. They they want to make sure that their products are being sold and, and push pushing those vaccines out yeah so uh, i talked about this a, f- a few episodes ago so the um uh, uh, astrazeneca if mm-hmm. i'm not mistaken um it's a uh, it's different because it's not an mrna vaccine it's uh uses uh something off of a chimpanzee for a spike protein so it still works similarly but they've had human tests on it before so mm-hmm. it's a little different but they had been um uh, talking about how uh you know like there's it's free and it's nonprofit and it's a big proverbial, you know, fu to big pharma. Right. Well, it's only for the first generation. The game plan with AstraZeneca they have is to have a second gen that'll come out, and they've already expressed to their shareholders it will be profitable right. on the second generation because the idea is that it will be an annual vaccine right. that you get. So there's a, another. I think it was the Financial Times had reported that. One of their investors was told that if AstraZeneca decides so on July 1st of this year, uh-huh. COVID could be declared over. I haven't seen that. Well, I mean, that's a really interesting concept, though. But, I mean, it, but does it surprise anybody, though, that a lot of major corporations, regardless of whether they're pharmaceuticals or not, like, in the end, they're going to do it for profit? No. So, but they're buying all the uh, ad time. Like, think about like even like ten years ago on like, like news. It would be like meds and shit, right? It'd be like yeah. Well, it still runs on the news today. Like all of those <laughs> different, you know, stuff for like side effects may include eye diarrhea. It's like what the fuck is eye diarrhea? Well, you sit there and look at the stuff, and you're just like, how is this? Like, you'd be like, well, I'm dealing with it fine, but, like, but this new medication you're telling me is like. Got liver failure, like there's all, the... <laughs> and it's crazy about it's like, like you look at the... hair or something. Like, it's like the side effects are just like, why would I even do this? <laughs> and you, and you just think about like, dear God, like my hair's not fall out. It's like I'm like there might be pee in my blood now. <laughs> like what the fuck, man? It's just the side effects sometimes for some of this stuff sounds worse than the actual disease that somebody might have and they're trying to manage. Yeah. It's just like why? Why even risk it? <laughs> it's like um, you know, we sort we sort of fetishize like like oh I've got to be healthy I've got, I've got to be healthy right and I think something happens 
like somewhere along in like a midlife crisis where it's just sort of like oh god like i'm i'm gonna die one day it's like bro like like i my 20s i sort of like are i took too many mushrooms once and i thought i was fucking dead like a while and came out of that i was just sort of like like i need to fucking do something with life you know yeah i mean but it's just there's everybody has a varying degree on what's healthy nowadays Mm -hmm. like it used to be the fact of like you know manage your diet you know get exercise you don't have to be a gym rat or anything like that but just being sedentary would guarantee you not being healthy and stuff like that but now you know it's varying to be like oh you don't have to go to the gym or anything like that or you don't have to eat healthy you don't have to take vitamins and stuff like that well i mean some of these things are still like you have to get vaccinated there's that too (laughs) there's that too it's just like you do if you do don't do anything else you know get vaccines and everything like that but i mean some of the a lot of the stuff is like preventable like because if you look at the 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 math on covid right the covid itself if you get infected and you do have like some type of underlining condition or anything like that it could be a very fatal thing for people it's it's not a joke by any stretch of the imagination as a respiratory disease but there are things like they did say in the beginning that if you're healthy manage your diet get exercise and everything like that because think about exercise like you're exercising your lungs and everything your cardiovascular so the stronger your heart and your lungs are the easier it is going to be for you to fight something like COVID off true because i mean it has like what a 90 was 98 99 something percent like survival rate Mm -hmm. something somewhere in the 90s so if you're yeah, but you could totally fall in that small. Like, <laughs> no, you definitely can can fall into that small demographic, and I think that's what gets a lot of people of like, which we're talking about still wearing masks in the car, just because you don't know if you're in that point, you know, one point two whatever percentage it is of that being fatal to you. Right. So, but even then, I think it should. A bigger push should on top of you know like with the whole mass mandates and everything like that was to you know try to tell people's like hey this is a point where you probably should try to get yourself healthy yeah you know like i don't know like make a bonus for people who you know make home gyms for themselves or something like that you know like not limit people's ability to exercise and stuff like that because it's one thing to close down you know public or gyms and stuff like that where people congregate and everything like that but you had like places like parks and stuff where people run or exercise and stuff like that because a lot of parks nowadays they got like calisthenic like bars and stuff like that right but places like that were being closed and then i mean in some places you're they're sitting there saying well yeah you can go run outside but you have to wear a mask it's just like and you're not even wearing like the altitude training mask, which those things like I've trained with those before, and they're rough, right? But the, you're training like a big gas mask. Yeah, it's like right? a gas mask. I've ran with a gas mask on too, but fuck that. <laughs> but I mean, running with like a cloth mask on your face, and like it just soaks everything in, and even then, it becomes it becomes a breeding ground for bacteria in itself. Yeah. Yeah, that was like like one of the things that I would try to talk with some people. Just like 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 I can't believe you're not wearing a mask. It's like, bro, you've been wearing that mask for a week solid. Right. Like, 
Like, cause I, cause you can't like people who are wearing masks. Like, I wear my mask every day. It was just like, okay, well, when you go home, do you wash it? Do you do you, do you wash it like you know, pretty can you know consistently? Because right. nobody's gonna do that. Because if you have a whole load of laundry, you're just like, well, or if you don't have any laundry, you're just like, well, am I gonna wash this mask? And you know, like <laughs> most people think, like I gotta throw this mask in there with um with my laundry, and you know use use the washing machine or anything like that when i mean essentially you could just wash it in the sink right but are you washing that mask in the sink you know every couple days not and a lot of uh these uh, health conscious people seem to be littering a lot of uh, their disposable masks as well which that's just fucking infuriating to me like even i i was a, a, a cigarette smoker for years and i quit whenever uh, uh, covid came about because i was like didn't know what to think. I was like, I should make some lifestyle changes. This is like at least like with my lungs. Yeah, like it's, and like for real. I was like not too proud to be like like ah oh, this is gosh this is, they're blowing it out of proportion. No, like I didn't know what to expect. I was like, well, just in case, like I could probably lose some fucking weight off my fat ass and like you know stop smoking but cigarettes. But you had the idea of like I need to do take measures in order to make myself healthy. Yeah, yeah, I did. I still got a long way to go, but like. Like had had to do something, right? Because I was not trusting this whole thing where they were like incentivizing people to, like you said, just sort of be sedentary. Like I, you know, I I do data work. I'm on computers most of the time anyway. I'm already at like I have a standing desk like now. Thank goodness, like, right? Stand and do my stuff. But like when I was being at the office like every day, good lord, dude! Like you're just. Like nine hours of just like sitting down like all day not doing anything. Right. And then by the time you get home, you're just like, oh, God, and you're man. back and you're sitting down again. Yeah. That's like fuck. We're laying in the bed. <laughs> yeah. And not good. So, like when I started, uh, you know, working from home, which I'd never had the uh, the luxury of doing that before. But I was like, I was like, I should, you know, probably do something to sort of. <laughs> you know, carpe diem, improve myself right. in some sort of manner. But I've, you know, I see even now, like a year later, and like to incentivize people, like the who was it, uh, guy from New York, Cuomo, mm. was a. Uh, like the state of New York cut a deal for people with like fast food restaurants or something like that. Like more like Krispy Kreme. Yeah, it's just yeah. like you get vaccinated, you get a you get a fucking donut. You get a donut. Yeah, yeah, because your fat ass is gonna be so much healthier now that you got the jab. So it has this fried bread with sugar on it. Which I mean, don't get me wrong, I Everybody, fucking love a donut. I'm a dude. cop. I love donuts. <laughs> I'm not even gonna deny it. I might be in shape, but like I still like I like sweet treats still. I mean, who doesn't like donuts? Like it's, it's like saying you don't like sandwiches. Like there's so many sandwiches. I've actually met a person who doesn't like sandwiches. They were weird. Did you tell them that you know you're you're praying for their soul because it was probably burning? I didn't know what to say to them. How do you not eat sandwiches? You know, it's just got I don't know. It's got so, how many foods are but in there? It was there? weird because there was one time I saw him eating a wrap. I was like, I thought you don't eat sandwiches. He's like, Well, this is a wrap. And I was like, It's the same thing. Yeah, just because it's then, cylindrical, right? You know? And they tried to argue with me. It's just like, No, sandwiches on bread. No, a, a sandwich is what you have. Yeah. It's like a bread of something. There's stuff. There's stuff in it. I think. I think the only way that you sort of start separating it out from there would be like. Like when you have sushi, because sushi and sandwiches they kind of, they're kind of similar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or burritos. Yeah. Right. right. 
but I don't know, like like something like a a burrito, like it's still like it's just it's just a hoagie, but you just sort of like flattened out the whole bread and wrapped everything in. I mean, it. I guess if you want to look at it that way, I mean, but, I mean, but even it. then, like it's one of those things. If you sit there and think about it, where do you have to go to get a burrito? You have to either go to Taco Bell or actual Mexican restaurant. Mm. You can't go to Subway and say, I want a burrito. But you can go to Subway and say, I want a wrap. Mm. What would be the difference between a burrito and a wrap, then? Like, I don't know. I wonder if it was just like... I'm pretty sure some great minds have contemplated this question. It was probably somebody, like, reserved the rights to the name, like, wrap or something. And, like, it was like... Trademark, yeah. trademark or wrap? Well, I mean, they could. I don't know. Like, I guess you could trademark anything. Though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. Like, you've got fucking uh, who is it? That uh, uh, not the Sony. That's Coca Cola. Um, Nestle mm-hmm. uh, trying to uh, get patents on water in certain areas where they're like, you know, oh, this is you know, we have the the right to uh, say this is our water. It's like, it's water. It's water, dude. Yeah. Like how? How can like I understand if you like. Gather the water, bottle it, and sell it. You can say right. that's the water. This is our water. Yeah, but like to go to a, like like a, an entire lake and just say like, oh no no no, nobody can use this. This is this is our. Imagine water. like if like Coca Cola or something went like to went out to like the Atlantic Ocean. Like this is ours. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing though, right? I mean, in theory, right? Like like this is the Walmart forest. Like you can't you can't come here and camp. Anywhere unless is, you buy Walmart products, yeah. to come out here and camp. Yeah, you're only like they have the Walmart Ranger. He comes around. He's like, I'm just doing an equipment check, folks. This is ah, is this a? Well, looks like you got a Target brand generator here. <laughs> right, you're gonna have to either turn that off or leave the park. There you go. But I mean, you sit there and think about like stuff like trademarks and stuff like that. It's just like people try to trademark everything. It's true. Like I remember, like hearing on on the news and stuff. Like it would be big news where, like, some musician used like a small snippet of like a beat that could correlate to some other song that was like a hit song, mm-hmm. and somebody's trying to get money for it. It's just, like, but it's not even the whole song. Like it's not like they stole stole your lyrics or anything like yeah. that. And, but it, just a small little piece. It's like all right. They eventually, with that, I think they had to rule, like, a duration. Like, it was something like less than a second. I think it was like four-tenths of a second. Yeah. Because, like, with, like, a snare hit, you just got the hit, and you got a little bit of a tail before the sound right. was gone. So, for people to juice for sampling as much money as they could, they set, like, a, That's a, crazy a limit. The, uh, the Outcast song, uh, Rosa Parks... It was uh, uh, in court for years for like civil suit of the the family of Rosa Parks suing whatever label uh, Outkast was with in, in the uh, in the nineties. But uh, eventually, it was like after a decade, like the Rosa Parks family came out and said that we actually we we don't care. We have no beef with. Outcast or the record label, we have one family member and their team of lawyers that has been doing this for years Financial and years. Financial gain. Yeah. Because uh, it was, uh, uh, they said it was de- uh, defamatory to call uh, their song Rosa Parks because it, che- it, it cheapened uh, her legacy. Oh. 
you can't cheapen somebody like Rosa Parks' legacy with a song. No. Plus, that song was a fucking banger, dude. Right. Like, bridge I mean, in it. I mean, if anything, you, it added to it because it brought her name to pop culture and made more yeah. people be like, oh, Rosa Parks. It was like, well, there's nothing saying necessarily about Rosa Parks in here. Like, who's Rosa Parks? And you give Google search and you figure out the how, like, you know, she was crucial to the civil rights movement and everything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, in a way, they help educate people. I, th- I think that's a solid argument. Yeah, I, I would, too. I'd be like, nah, they bring, bring history, because a lot of people don't like history. So, it's just like, if you bring something in, attach it to what's popular, to, you know, something that's old and significant, you know, civil rights, you know, the founding of the country, you know, all this other stuff, you can tie it back into there, and if you can at least make people give a Google search to it, they figure out what it is. I mean, they they're still gonna like the song, but I mean, they might learn something else in the process as well. So going back to what we were uh, talking about earlier, and uh, as far as like uh, the climate change and culture, what have been some of the biggest things you've noticed as a, a law enforcement agent since you initially signed up for to now, and why did you initially get into law enforcement? So. <clears throat> As, as you know, I, I ain't, I'm not from Georgia at all. Like, I'm from the West Coast. But I came into law enforcement because it was one of those things. Is like, as a kid, you grow up, you're like, oh, I want to be a police officer and stuff like that. So when the opportunity presented itself for me to be a police officer, I was just like, you know, you know, the wife wanted to come back to live in South Georgia. We were living in Atlanta at the time. And I was just like, you know what? I'm like, I've dabbled with the idea of being a police officer and he's like I like doing good for people you know like my dad brought me up to with a strong sense of duty and everything like that so I was just like well you know if I'm gonna live down here you know or I'm gonna live in this community let me try and do something you know to you know help you know not just complain about problems and stuff and you know not you know try and contribute to fix it right so i became a rookie cop and i mean it's one of those things is like you get all the you know the excitement excitement of like oh you know i'm gonna get out there you know i'm gonna make a difference i'm gonna try to get out there and solve real crimes and everything like that now there are real crimes that do happen but a lot of it is you know is is conflict uh, resolution that's what primarily the majority of being a police officer is is you know diffusing situations between people because I mean adults are worse than children I'm just going to say it flat out <laughs> it's just like you like literally you would you tell kids when they're yelling at each other to just walk away and then they'll just they'll be like okay and they'll walk away you try to tell that to an adult they're just like I don't want to <laughs> so but in my time time of being you know a a rookie till now it became the fact of you know people would be like, it was kind of like the standard of, you know, I don't necessarily want to deal with the cops and everything like that. You know, people, whenever you're you're arresting somebody, people just like do like, you know, gooseneck and keep on going and everything like that. But, you know, that's the culture now is everybody's pulling out a phone, you know, so that way they can try and see you do something. So that way they can be like, oh, well, you know, try to get a lawsuit out of it. Right. Like I've pulled up on, there was a, um, there's one call I had where 
we were just trying to look to see, you know, if somebody was fighting and everything like that and pull up on some guys. And Grant, they were joking with me and everything like that. But they sit there and say, it was like, oh, you know, I'm trying to get a lawsuit, you know, try to make money. And that's a common thing now is that there are people trying to bait police officers and, you know, by, you know, try to enrage you or try to, you know, not do anything that could be considered breaking the law, but try to get under your skin, say stuff to you, be agitating, just so that way you can do something to them, so that way they can, you know, get a lawsuit out of it. Now I'm saying not saying that everybody out there is doing that, but there are people who are out there doing it. So I think a lot of it is people are trying to with how social media and everything has portrayed law enforcement from you know the major cities all the way down to you know the s- small country bumpkin towns is that you know all of us are bad like it literally went from hey yeah we don't like to deal with the police and then it was just like yo all y'all are bad and it's just weird because for myself being a being a black police officer it's even worse like i've already i've been people sit there that i know from the west coast are just like man i don't know what it's like for you know be a black cop in the south because they're sitting there thinking that i'm catching hell from white people and i'm just like that's not the case man like it's actually i get it worse for my own i've already i've been called multiple times and i'm not black or you know, did like, you not vote for Joe Biden? I think that was actually. I am not going to go into <laughs> go into my vote. I'm no scientist, sir. I'm just saying that's what I heard. That's um, <laughs> as like I can't speak on speak on the uh, the president. I mean, he's like he's still he's still one of my bosses. So fair enough. Yeah, he's still the commander in chief, and um, my being in police, being poli- being a cop and then being also being in the military whether you're in a active capacity or reserve capacity or in national guard capacity you still have to be apolitical so that's a very respectable answer yeah and, and it's just and it's just how it is i mean that's that is fucked up though that like you have people telling you that you're not who you are essentially right and it's just and for me and for me it's weird for people out here to call me like, oh, you ain't black, like you you don't know what it's like to grow up in the hood. And it's like, no, nah, I've grown grown up in a real hood to where like like I went to a school um in Cali where like I wanna say sixty percent of the population of the school was in, in a gang affiliation and like a real hood school. Like I've grown up to where like shootings were common and stuff like that, you know. Like some of my friends that I norm that I grew up with, like I have one friend I grew up with, he's been shot like six times. God damn. Yeah, he's been shot six times. He's still kicking. <laughs> he's really good. No, he's still kicking. He's all good. But he's been shot on like six different occasions. Like from like hustling or gangbanging or something. Gangbanging, hustling, just beef. Just beef with people around the city, like I mean, like his grandma, like I lived on in one like circle, and he lived around the corner, like that's where his grandma was at, and he was literally sitting in his sitting in his grandma's garage. Somebody pulled up on him and just started dumping on him. What the fuck? Yeah, that's how it was real, like yeah, in, in some of these other places. Yeah, not too common occurrence in uh, Lowndes County, uh, Georgia. Right, and a lot of and now Lowndes is has has had like a lot of shootings lately but like 
a lot of the shootings that where there aren't victims and stuff like that, a lot of it is people just driving around thinking like, oh, well, I think so-and-so lives here. So they're shooting up houses and stuff like that. It's not... They're, a lot of pe- there, are, there are people who are like, you know, just straight gang members, right? But then you got like OGs and stuff like that. There's a stark difference between the ones where I'm from versus the ones that be out here. And a lot of young guys who like they'll spend they grew up their whole life out here in Valosta and they won't try to be an OG. And I was just like, You li- you come from Valosta, man. Like I don't I don't know what to tell you, man. Like <laughs> like this this isn't it. <laughs> like Dude, there were um there were a couple of neighborhoods in Philly. They were near this uh this venue, Kung Fu Necktie. It's uh uh, not too far away from the, the riverfront, but it was uh, near a neighborhood that uh, was a temple, I think, it's nearby. So they started gentrifying like like this area. Mm-hmm. Well, as it goes in most really condensed urban areas, about two blocks over from where it was really nice and gentrified, yeah, horrible neighborhood. Like right. I had run through there on bikes once and we had uh, I'm last in line of like five white dudes and one like the first or second guy starts talking shit to a bunch of dudes that are on a porch and here I am the last one pulling up I'm just like like oh thanks guys like right like, towing behind like but the there are a couple of these blocks in this uh, in this neighborhood that they didn't have street lamps at night, dude. So, yeah. like at nighttime, when it was dark out, the whole block is dark. Right. I mean, you and you just see like figures moving. Like you just see motion. Yeah. You don't even see the actual person. Yeah. You just and, see motion, dude. And I'm I'm just left to show. I'm not sure exactly where I'm at to get back because normally, like, I don't drive into into Philly. I normally took the train. Right. This time I decided, oh, I'll, I'll drive. I'm the only car on this block and. Again, like there's there's no lights on. There's lights on inside the houses, but whoever runs this particular block made sure that at night, nah, all these lights are off. Right. And the city didn't do anything about it. And it was right around from this like really really nice uh, uh, right and, neighborhood. And, and it's crazy that and gentrification to me is an issue within itself because I don't think that people should come in. You know, you have like some. You have neighborhoods, and it doesn't matter whether they're black, Hispanic, you know, a minority community, just because, you know, crime rates and everything has drive the property costs down and everything like that. People are like, oh, well, we'll come in here and we'll change it up and we'll, like, force that out. I always sit there and say, like, you shouldn't be trying to force people, force crime out because you can't force it out. It's just going to move somewhere else, but it's going to be, yeah. but you make yourself open to it spilling over into this nicer community that you're trying to build. What you should be trying to do is go into a place, work with that community, build that community up, make opportunities for them. Because a lot of times what ends up happening is you have like these really poor communities and everything like that. And sure, they can see that there's better things on social media or on TV and everything like that. But in their immediate environment, they may not see any hope in everything like th- or anything like that. So they may think that running the streets is the only opportunities that they have because nothing they have shows them any different. So instead of trying to just force them people out of there, people should be coming in and developing that, you know, building these communities up, showing people just like, hey, that stuff that you've seen on TV, 
about a guy having like you know may not be like a maserati or whatever like a nice car or anything like that but you can get to a point to where like you may like you can have stuff of your own right you ain't got to go run out be on the street trying to hustle or you know rob and everything like that to get it it's like there's a good way there's a better way of getting it and i think the problem is is that nobody's showing these you know showing youth in these communities and everything that there is a better way you know i don't think that like programs are actually there putting in the effort you know because sure you could say like at school like you can be whatever you want but i mean if they go home and their world is world is turned to shit like every time they like you know their only reprieve is when they go to school but right. they grow up and they go home their their neighborhoods like people selling drugs getting beat in the street you know crime is just crazy out there if this is what they see then that's what they're only gonna know so these programs like there needs to be programs that come in to show like to show that there's a better way to actively like yeah we say we're coming in here to do this you know you gotta like keep on those promises you know like and build these places up and everything like that (laughs) part of it comes down to policing and stuff like that because a lot of people sometimes a lot of people think that we cops just go into neighborhoods like minority communities and that we're just out hunting to you know to try to find something doing wrong that's not that's not necessarily the case you know there's specialized units who do that to do crime suppression for that but majority of like patrolling people coming in and out the only reason why a patrol officer is in your neighborhood is a one to make sure nobody's going into cars or breaking into houses just looking around but because somebody called and people don't understand a lot of times people don't understand that when when the cops are called majority of our calls we ain't going and we we're not going to like it's not you know affluent you know white people who are calling us you know for for stuff a lot of the times like a lot of it is you know problems that people in minority communities are having because a one you they can't handle it on their own because out of fear because i mean if if your neighbor's selling drugs out of your house out of their house and everything like that and they're causing a problem for everybody else in the neighborhood if we show up and we can't you know make an arrest or do anything like that that person has to now has to live with that fear now Right. So, especially in uh, you know, in that kind of culture, wherever you know, snitches are regarded as lower than law enforcement are, right? That's, that's a hell of a, a hefty amount of fear to right. live in, you know. Because like I've so where I like back back where I grew up is just like people took that serious. It's like if you snitch, like there was gonna be like you were having issues, right? Like um, I knew a dude who ran his mouth a little too much and this was over something at school too was a school the guy got like i think he got like in school suspension or anything but like yo he was getting his tail like he was getting jumped like every couple of days for it though ain't worth it <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's, that's what that's the mentality to. they have you know like when like if if you're getting from from somebody who as a as a kid had gotten their ass beat uh, you know a formidable amount of times Eventually, you get to a point where you're either. I, I see. Fight. I saw the struggle with that. It took took a lot for you to admit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, you you either deal with it or you become accustomed to it. You right. know what I mean? And whenever you become accustomed to it, in that regard, you become submissive to it. Right. And 
as an adult, it's a lot easier to just call the cops than it is to try to deal with it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like luck that's one thing I love about being out here in the country is that, you know, I've I've just got, you know, any issues that uh, arise, I've don't have cops that are gonna be right next door and here very quickly. So that's why you have a shotgun instead, you know. Right. And most people in the country they're they're all packing as well. So it's it's pretty unwise, and most people know not to fuck with other people's uh, property at night. Right. It still happens, you know. I mean, there's probably about two miles uh, west of here. There's like supposedly like one uh, dirt road where it's a uh, it's a nice uh, it's a meth friendly uh, neighborhood. Yeah, like every everybody on the on the little stretch is just messing just, it I, up. Oh yeah, just just having nothing but uh, uh, ice parties all the time. So there was, um, it's probably like a year or two ago, somebody had stolen farm equipment from a farm down yonder mm-hmm. and uh, hotwired it and uh, left another getaway car that they stole from elsewhere in the farmer's like driveway, but <laughs> took one of his like, like big tractors or something, rode off with it and got a little bit down the road then crashed it and then uh, ditched it. Yeah. I'm not sure what they were going to do with it, but they, they had enough knowledge to, to hotwire the farm equipment, but not enough to keep it on the road. But where were they going to, like, who, gonna who's going to take that and be like, 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 like oh yeah, I can, yeah, I got a I guy. Could, I could fence that. I, I can get rid of that for you. It's like, I'll give you top dollar for it. But when it comes to people who, who, who use, you know, like narcotics that are mind altering like that, you know, who get bad off like that, they don't know. Like the only their whole priority is to I need to get something so I can make get some money for my next hit. Yeah, and that's and that's the mentality of it. And it comes down to really just you know the primal nature and a, a need, desire, and a want, and trying to make that happen. And. <clears throat> I don't know. There's, there's. It's not excusing the behavior, but I mean, it's just becomes programmed into him. So whether or not, like, um, he had an idea. Like, apparently, he thought that he could get something for it. So, I wonder if he just like starts sobering up because you know the tractors are really slow. Yeah. And so like he gets like partway down the road and he starts coming down. And he's just like, man, what the fuck am I doing with my it's life? Just, yeah. I'm stealing a stealing a tractor. It's just like I should have just kept that car. Yeah. It was like. It was like not nonchalant either. This was like a bright orange, like like big piece of machinery, like you know, like something you would see, like like a hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he did have a guy though. He he might. He might. He might have. He might have. Oh, what do you um? Well, going back to what we were talking about with the uh, the culture that's 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 changed as far as like you know people being uh, disrespectful to you just based on your occupation. What what do you think steps that can be made to sort of show that this sort of notion of this authoritarian state of police officers that you know we've sort of been broadcast with in 2020 the that this is not a uh, a nationwide uh, sort of epidemic to use the term that it's it's literally like 
if a department's corrupt, it's that department, like, wherever, who's running it, the admins of that. Right. So, it, it all comes down to, you know, what are people seeing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you, like, if you see, if somebody is constantly putting in, let's take bacon, because everybody likes to eat bacon. If you, if There's you a keep, lot of jokes that I could make with. I know. That's why I put it in there. I'm going to see what you're going to try and hit with. So if you see nothing, if you see nothing on on TV, like everything that you see, social media, um, social media, the news, newspapers, every like form of media input that you get in says that you know it's like oh well, bacon's horrible and it's just pushed in your face every day. You're eventually gonna be like, you know what? When you go to the grocery store, I'm not gonna buy bacon, right? Because you get that subconscious input of like, I'm probably not gonna do that. I, I love the bacon, but I don't love it anymore. Similar with police, is that what the only thing that makes news is you know any anything that can be seen as, you know, us, you know, police officers doing bad, you know, like, I mean, the George Floyd thing, that was, that was the biggest thing, um, like, any apprehensions and stuff where somebody will just be like, ooh, I can, you know, get this video, this little snippet clip video to the news and, you know, show police doing bad, it would take a, you have to balance balance that out somehow of saying like yeah well I'm like this is what this agency did but over here this this officer uh I think for example something that happens really common is you know somebody will who has no money or anything like that who's just down on their luck is bought groceries for a whole family and stuff like that there's a lot of things that a lot of police even some of the ones that people say are the most corrupt They'll do stuff for the people in the community, you know, to try to help people. Right. You need to show them, you need to, like, with policing now, you only see the bad. Like, nobody's like, tell me the last time you saw saw something that the news put up of where police were doing something good for a community or something like that. Or, Probably the around the George Floyd protests where, like, there was a couple of, I think it was, like, Flint, Michigan, and, like, a couple of other precincts where they went out and instead of blocking off the protesters they walked with them where it was like like this is cool because like that's their community right their community and, is standing together like united over like right and it's and, and it's and it's good to have you know to show you know community solidarity right. with you know the police and the people that they're they're they serve right but to be fair to answer your question directly that was like one of two videos that i saw right but versus this onslaught of negative right and so out of you could, there are hundreds of thousands of police interactions every day throughout the throughout the nation, right? But it's that one where you know somebody gets shot, there was a chase, or you know there was a fight, or something like that, to where you know somebody's just like, oh, well, I can this can make news, yeah. And they will put that one, and all it shows is in us in a bad light, and people just feed off of that because that's all they see most people a lot of, some people can go their whole lives and not have any interaction with a cop 
so if the only input that you're getting is that police are beating people that we only talk that we're targeting minorities and everything like that with all the narratives of that if that's the only thing that they're seeing that becomes as we said fiction versus reality right that becomes their perspective on it. right that becomes their reality and every officer that I know and agency that I've known you know had you know the chance to work with and you know talk with and people that I know like majority like a lot of people who are police officers we do this job because we care about other people right because it's kind of one of those things of like well this person like you know who's gonna speak who's gonna defend those who can't defend themselves the same thing with like people join the military who's gonna defend those who can't defend defend themselves right somebody has to because then real injustice happens and I think like a lot of times when people talk about injustices and stuff like that they'd be all like oh there's so much in- injustice in the United States how about you take a trip to Afghanistan I'm gonna pass <laughs> how, about you, how about you go to Iraq <laughs> I'll, I'll tell know, people and for someone who's never been in the military I'll even tell people wherever they'll like talk about like for instance here the dominant culture is the religious right it, right. it just is right but, when they want to try to argue, like, oh, they're so oppressive here. I'm like, you really want to know what the religious right does oppressively? Why don't you go to the Arabian Peninsula and look at any country there, whether they're right. Jewish, Christian, Muslim, whatever it is, the religious right, like, is really something there because they're women. You're not even, like, allowed to do certain things yeah. unless you have a man present with you. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be, like, your husband. Like, your son is, is considered... You know, has more authority than you. Yeah, like you get a, like a six-year-old son. Well, yeah, he has the authority. Yeah, it's a was it a it's a sect of Wahhabism, of which is like a, a fundamental school of Islam. Mm-hmm. But um, where they're it's kind of like really fundamental Christians, where they'll argue just the text and they'll use the text in any way to suit their argument. So their interpretation becomes the will of it. Right. So there's certain things in the Quran that it talks about like uh, I think like child brides and shit like this right. so they read it and they're like because they're fundamental zealots they're just like oh yeah child brides oh that's cool so we can rape and pillage everybody in uh, in the town because and, and that's where you end up with the groups like ISIS and everything like yeah that. yeah so like that's that's the real religious right going too far right. here in the buckle of the bible belt they're like like what you have uh, aggressive Jehovah's Witnesses like coming to your door and you just not answer the door the last time I had to deal with a Jehovah's Witness I just made them sort of uncomfortable because I, I said something I was trying to be polite with them right. I was outside like doing work or something and I, I said something that was like uh, you know like the whatever they'll train to like accuse for conversation right mm-hmm. and if somebody says this well that'll give you a good chance to let them know about you know Right. Jesus and re- uh, redeeming their soul from right. eternal hellfire. So I had said something I can't remember what it was, and she had retorted with, like, "And I bet they tried to shove all that stuff down your throat, didn't they?" And I was like, "No, ma'am. I went to Catholic school, but I was never sodomized by a priest there at all." And like, she got like really flustered. She's like, "Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean that shoving that down down the throat." I was like, "Well." That's kind of what I was implied, but you know what? I believe this conversation's kind of reached an awkward end, so I'm going to bid you a good day. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good trick. 
she walked away singing songs to herself, like gospel songs. Of like, you know, all the mighty world <laughs> Shook her to her core with that. But that's... I would rather take awkward interactions with strangers where they think that I'm a, a, a dick right. than I would with a barbarian horde that says, hey, we need your food. Yeah. No, you... And... Yeah. I mean, it's... I, I think I think a lot of people don't realize how lucky like a lot of us are to have been able to be born in the United States. Especially now granted like earlier in history being being an African American, like you not ideal. It, it wasn't ideal. <laughs> but in today's day and age, growing up to being growing like being born in the United States as an African American isn't isn't a bad deal. I think any American that was born post Civil Rights era, yeah, incredibly lucky. Like this is the best time to be alive, ever. right? Because you sit there and think about America has granted. Is it difficult yet to make opportunity? Yes, it is. Are there are there you know industries or something that will put roadblocks in your way because of the way you look? Possibly, not saying that is, but my family. So my family originally isn't like our. I guess you want to say the 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 family clan, like where we my family originated from, mm-hmm. was in the south. It was in Louisiana. So and. You know, my grandparents moved to to the West Coast when my grandfather joined the Navy, and then a host of you know that the family came out that way too. But never once was I brought up thinking, being told that things are gonna be like I can't do something. You get what I'm saying? Right. Like I was brought up sitting there saying that they did say like, hey, it might be difficult. But if you want if you want to succeed, you you can make yourself succeed. So having that mentality from my family who grew up like I mean like my grandparents grew up in Louisiana, so they grew up through Jim Crow and everything like that. But they like my family it was a prideful prideful family. So it's just like we don't take. We were brought up at an early age of like you. The only limitation on yourself is is you. And I think that become that's where that part of that issue is. Is that people aren't teaching that. Is that sure somebody can get in your way, but you can either push them out your way and move forward, or you can go around and move forward. But the goal needs to be is that you need to move forward. Nobody holds you down but yourself. Yeah. So I think I think that is a, a proper way to raise kids to uh, be successful in the world is let them know that like hey life's not fair bad shit's gonna happen right and shit's gonna knock you down a peg or two but you can still keep going after that yeah and and every and everybody in life like regardless of what walk of life you come from like everybody's been you know life has sucked you in the mouth and you've been sitting on the ground like oh my god I have been a bitch more than one occasion but. so but. You're still standing here. I am. You stood up, and that's what it comes down to. Is like more people need to start teaching people that 
regardless of what happens to you, you can you can make it past it. Like even people that I've arrested before, where they've had you know charges on them, I'm just like, like I've had people who are like, oh my life's over. I was just like, your life's not over because you're still breathing. Is this gonna make is this gonna make your life more difficult? Yeah. Is it gonna stop you? Not necessarily. It only stops you if you choose to let it do it. As long as you, if you make decisions to keep on where you're constantly in the back of a police car, though, if you make decisions like that, then yeah, you're going to be held back for the rest of your life. Yeah. But you have people who, who, who commit felonies and stuff like that, who hell make more money than I do. <laughs> or they like they spend time in prison. They come out. They find, a, you know, they make their own business or heck I even think in some cases like you could be a have a felony a previous felony conviction you could be a trucker truckers make a lot of money mm. so yeah, I think it's uh, they're more strict on like your driving, driving record yeah so there are opportunities to rise out of out of the situation like no matter what what situation you get put on before if you dwell on that one fact that becomes and you'd be like, I can't make it. That becomes your reality oh, when absolutely. you accept that. But if you choose to not let a single moment define you and be like, I made a mistake, or yes, this happened to me and it wasn't fair, but I'm not going to let it stop me. That's where, that's where you, I guess, how I said it. If you choose to not let that moment define you and you push through that, that becomes your reality. Like constantly moving forward, and I think what and tra- transcending these yeah hurdles. Tran- transcending hurdles. That's what, thank you, great verbiage, and I think that's what people need to focus more on now instead of focusing on the bad of what's going on in their life right now. Because if you mean if you look on the news and everything now, there's just nothing bad. Yeah, you know, but even though there's all that bad, that bad doesn't have to be your reality. Like you'd be like, well, job market sucks, but you know, for whatever job that you got laid off from during COVID, and you're just like, well, I can find a new angle. And that's what life is, is constantly moving forward, finding new angles and everything yeah. like that. Well, you either have to, you adapt or you drown. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, I've I've, I've, I've hit a rock bottom uh, once or twice before, and, like, you, you, you just get back up and you try something new. So, I mean, you know, thank... God with the COVID stuff and with me being in, in you know, computers that you know I'm, I'm I'm still able to work you know right. what I mean if my profession were different like I did a decade in food service before I uh, started getting into tech and like if I had spent the last decade continuing the previous decade like I wouldn't know what I would be doing because like the food service industry is like not completely kaput but like Small businesses around here, like mom pop restaurants, yeah, they got hurt. Oh yeah, they got killed. Yeah, and and now like you know the uh, the talk of pay, like oh well, the pay's not enough. It's like well yeah, granted, but these businesses now had to be forced to pretty much close. All their costs have now gone up. They've had to install this new equipment to be quote unquote COVID friendly or whatever it is. Right. And now their staff is depleted, but they have to raise the pay of everybody else to invite the staff in. They've already like been 
putting all this money into their business itself. So if you're a big corporation, well, that's fine. You can you can raise wages across the board. Right. But if you're like a small little restaurant, mom and pop, who had to go through 2020 all this and survived, and now you have uh, people saying that uh, well, you have to raise the cost of your your uh, your staff. You know, by a third, pretty much across the board. Like it's it's not so easy. And like I'm I'm all about for like doing stuff like raising the minimum wage. I think minimum wage is a joke. Like well, I think like I think I read somewhere at one point the minimum wage when it was first when it was first designed was it was supposed to be the minimal amount of money that a person can survive on. Yeah. Like. Where you have like you're not living in the best best of places, but you have a roof over your head, you can pay for your yacht, like water and everything like that. You may not have the best car, but you have you know means of transportation to get everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's something that where you could at least sustain life where you are. But and currently, it's less than ten thousand dollars a year if you work every week forty hours a week. I think it's like ninety eight hundred before taxes. Right, and who, who's surviving off ninety eight hundred dollars in a year? Not many people around here. Like, I don't think anyone anywhere, honestly. This, so the South is one of the cheaper places to live I've been in. Yeah. And like even around like that's you would not be able to find a place like like for mm-hmm. like that kind of like money like no. locally at all. Like you you would have to have government assisted right. like, living. And it, I mean, it comes down to economics and stuff like that. Like I. I I, I honestly think that if you if companies really wanted to make a difference in things they would invest in like some of these smaller cities and stuff like mm-hmm. that like Atlanta is like the biggest hub every business and industry goes to Atlanta and everything like that but you have all of these towns and cities from Atlanta all the way down to here who don't benefit off of any of it you know and Atlanta's truly like an island in the middle of Georgia right like it's it's culturally everything that is Georgia and everything that's not Georgia at the same time and it was interesting so during when I lived when I was living up there and I was working in Atlanta like a lot of the people or at least like the management staff and everything for the company that I was working for weren't from Georgia Mm. like a lot of them were from Boston, New York, Chicago, like all of the major up north cities. So it was just like, okay. And you know, you talk to people in there, and it'd be like, the ideology, like their ideologies and stuff like that would be from, you know, say up there and everything like that, and not be so receptive to things that would be common for the South. Yeah. Now me, I'm receptive to all kinds of things because I grew up a Navy brat, so I moved all over the place from one coast to another. So I had ex- so at an early age, I had to learn to adapt to new surroundings or not have anybody to go outside and play football with. <laughs> right. So my my unique experiences made me very adaptable to different places and everything like that. So, but you get a lot of people who never had to, you know go from you know living in a big city to a small town to go into a, a different uh, city to in a completely different part of the country to living on the island to come in you know right doing all of that you know, having to make you you have to be very flexible and learn how to deal with people 
a lot of times people will like in bigger cities like grow up in that big city and they'll try to live and die in that big city and if they don't live in that big city they'll find another one to go you know yeah to go but sit in they uh the culture is just city culture you know what yeah. i mean and, every, and truly every city has its own different culture but there there's a way people who live in a city tend to think they're a little bit better here yeah yeah, than uh, folks that live in a you know a small town, and it, it really wasn't until like I had like we moved down here when I was twelve, and the town we were from in West Virginia was it's it's bigger than Valdosta, but it's not a big city by right. any means. But um, you know, I went to high school in a in a Lakeland, which is even smaller than Valdosta. Like there's two thousand people I think in Lakeland. Mm-hmm. And the county itself, I think there's 10,000 people. Like, mm-hmm. there's only one red light in the whole county. And it's not even in the city itself. It's, <laughs> it's out on 84. Off so of that outskirts. Yeah, yeah. It's because it crosses, it's a double highway, and it crosses another highway, and there's railroad tracks nearby. Right. So they're like, well, we have to have something. They're like, oh, fine. We'll put a, we'll put a fucking light up there. They, they tried to get one in the middle of the town of Lakeland years ago. And they're like, well... Ain't never had no red light here. Don't, don't really, reckon we need Don't one. really see the need for it. <laughs> all in favor? Yeah. Well, oh, that's, a, that's, that's none, none for and all opposed. Well, I guess there's no red light. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Next item. Jeremiah's bull has been pissing in Claude's backyard and says he's been doing damage to his rose bushes. <laughs> but, I mean... And it's one of the reasons why when I got active duty, um, I didn't leave, you know. I didn't leave the South. You know, I didn't go back to the West Coast. Because in all honesty, reality, I didn't, like, being out here, like, my hobbies are, like, guns, cars, and all that stuff. And those are not hobbies for, you know, living on the West Coast. Like, they hate those things. Yeah, I, I hear, I've only as far north as the San Fran area, and that was only once but I, I hear Northern Cali's that it gets a little redder once once you get past San Francisco. So, so if we broke down California, you take San Diego. So San Diego has there's a lot of blue in blue in San Diego, but there's also a lot of red because you have, you know, Coronado Naval Station, Naval Air Station. You got Thirty Second Street Naval Station. You got Camp Pendleton, MCRD in Miramar and all of that is like right there like so you the, have a, the borders like what half an hour away from San Diego nah man Not <laughs> I even. mean half, half an hour in traffic but I mean <laughs> depending on where depending on where in the city that you live it's right there half hour California traffic is not so bad like no if you're sitting in in, in traffic for a half an hour in Southern California, you're like you're doing really good. Yeah, <laughs> but you go up to LA, you don't have as many. You don't have like as many um, military installations because with those military installations, you get people who come from other parts of the U.S. and everything like that. And some people decide like, oh, San Diego's nice, so they retire there. And so you know, you get like a really big veteran community that lives in San Diego. Right. LA, there's not as many military installations in that area so it does become you know more bluer 
as in, in as the counties go. And it's do cool. you think that's because Israel has so much money there and their flag is blue, so that's why? Uh, I have no idea why it's that way, man. <laughs> like I personally hate LA. Like I I've, really, I do not like being in LA. Like, I don't I've like LA tra- traffic. Like it's the worst. <laughs> it's absolutely horrid. Um, fun stuff to do in LA, but like. Would I live in L.A.? No. There's no fucking way I would live in Los Angeles. No. Like, L- like, it, like, if people ever want to know what L.A. traffic is like, like, it's just go to Atlanta during rush hour. But then, that being then on double every, it. then double it and then be on like, <laughs> but that's kind of like your, your normal every day when you're on the freeway. Like, except for like maybe, maybe holiday, non-traveling holidays. Where it might clear up just a little bit, but I mean, as you go further north, like you get a lot of red because in the Central Valley of California, there's a lot of farmland and everything like that, and mm-hmm. then there's like some military installations that are throughout that way. So you still get like you know sparks of red through there, and but a lot of then you get when you get to like Frisco and everything, it's like all blue. Sacramento, like all blue. Like Fresno's like all blue, and then you get like to above it, and then it's just like yeah, there's nothing but red up there because I mean there's a lot of farmland and you know, like everybody says all the rednecks that from in California live up in Northern California, and it's not and and they're not wrong because up there you start getting like mountainous and wilderness terrain and everything like right. that, so and it's right next to what's the God let Oregon's or Oregon's right there mm-hmm. so. You get all of that niceness right there because I have friends who live in in Oregon and they're just like the only blue spots are around their cities and the rest of it's all red. So yeah. I mean that's how it is for there California was, too. This was pretty recently, a couple of weeks ago. The um, eastern part of Oregon, I think it was like ten counties or so, voted to leave Oregon. I saw that and join Idaho. I, I saw that. I'm actually all about that. I think that if, um, say, for instance, if, like, Lowndes County was, like, we identify more with Florida. Right. And we're, we're going to merge like that. I think that a county should be allowed to vote to secede uh, from a state and set up their own uh, constitution. There was a, another thing. This was last August where uh, there's a guy in uh, eastern Oklahoma in the 90s. He committed, I think, a murder and his defense was that the state of Oklahoma couldn't charge him with murder because the state of Oklahoma didn't exist geographically where the alleged murder took place Mm. because it was Creek territory and he used a treaty from 1892 to argue his defense. Well, I'm pretty sure the guy's dead now, but the Supreme Court just ruled on it last year that, in fact, the 1892 treaty was not held up and that essentially half of Oklahoma is federal and Creek territory and not belonging to the state of Oklahoma, including the city of Tulsa. Really? So that technically the state would have to break apart in some way. Huh. Because it's not Oklahoma, based on a treaty from the 19th century. Huh. That's so, crazy. Uh, Tim Pool uh, had done this uh, video where he started looking at all these other like uh, uh, articles where they were talking about old treaties mm-hmm. that were never honored and uh, that it would break up the size of almost every state 
imaginable to be like smaller i think it would like like more than double the amount of states in the u.s You're going from 50 states to 100 states yeah like but I, I i think though that like going back to uh, some of the stuff we were talking about earlier about like you know your community and like smaller like taking care of itself like i think that that would help the longevity of the country is if you because, I mean, for example, like California, like they've tried to break that state up into three separate states for like five or six years now. Like, yeah. Like seriously pushing for it, which, again, I think if they vote that way, they should. But like Southern California and Northern California and Bay California are not the same cultures. Like no, they're not. All. Like even, even then, just like so like Northern California... Like even even once you get like outside away from the bay, like it's completely different. Like from from every like every, there's so many like it's crazy how many subcultures there are in California. Um, and even then, like within Portland, Oregon, like on the West Coast, like the, a lot of these places will actually know because Seattle and all those like Washington and Oregon, their cultures only differ. Versus the city versus people who live out in the country. That's, that's kind of the news that's, I've gathered. The, that's <laughs> kind of the only difference between them. But in California in itself, it's literally like Northern Californians are different than Southern Californians. In once you're in Central Valley, are different than the ones in on the on the on the coast ones and the ones that live in the high desert. Like everybody's so differentiated that like. If they were to break up that state, somebody's not going to be happy. Bet somebody, <laughs> like, somebody's not going to be happy about it. Like some, like multiple sub subcultures within the state aren't going to be happy with it. Mm-hmm. So, and you, and like, what's the what's the fix to that? You just like, well, if you well. We live in we, like San Francisco ends up in Northern California, and as as like a lot of Northern California is really red to be like, well, we don't like this. We like we don't agree with this. Like, so what's their option? Is like ditch San Fran, and, keep Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> but at that is just like, what do you do? You tell people to move. Yeah, everything like that, and and that's the problem that what comes when it comes to like, you know counties and you know cities wanting to secede from like states and stuff like that it's just like well, what do you do about the other people who who are okay with it because to me my whole my whole my thing is, is like if you do not like you know where you live or like you know the situation that you are change it it's just like if you like for people who are like why well, have my business here and everything like that well if you can't do it on that level make a change right take your brand to another place that might need it you know well this uh, ties in with another thing we were talking about earlier um something i support this idea of you know generational wealth and that america offers it to where the opportunity you may not get but the opportunity is there nonetheless for you to rise up however if you if you play your cards well enough what you can do is you can guarantee that two generations from now they'll have it better than you do right and like that's something that like really speaks to a lot of people, right? Like, this idea of generational wealth, right? And so and it was funny because one of the guys I was deployed with, he turned me on to this whole idea. Like this, 
like for being being in the in the National Guard and for being he's also a black cop. But for what he's for all the things that he's done in his life, this is like his whole thing he's just like he has his own businesses and they're like businesses, more than one. And he's still still in law enforcement and in the National Guard. So with all this stuff that he does, I'm just like, I asked him, I was like, yo, why do you, why do, you do all this? He, he said, it's for generational wealth. He was just like, it's not necessary. It, it's not for me. Like me, I'm good. His kids are set up. Like all of his kids are successful. Paul had college paid for and everything like that. And he set everything up so that way his kids' kids can be good. Right. And that turned me on to a new, you know, way of thinking of like, well, I'm, I'm a father. I started thinking like I need to be on that same thing and start making moves and making decisions, not based off of the here and now, but make sure that, you know, my little one is good. Right. Make sure that, you know, when I'm in, when I'm in my 60s and 70s, she's not, I'm not having to move in with her, you know, like she doesn't have to worry about, you know, me and my wife. Right. And you know, grandkids and everything like that from there on and there on because generational wealth is is should be the goal of like everybody. Because no matter how much you do in this life, it doesn't matter. Because once your life is done, you can't take it with you. It's just like it's not like the days of old where everybody's gonna put your put your possessions on onto a, a wood boat, uh, sail no. you out to sail you out to the sea, light and arrow, and be like, yo, till Valhalla, brother, <laughs> and then everything sinks with you until somebody finds it like a couple hundred years later and picks it up and be like, oh, this is nice stuff, and they make money off no, of it. Uh, avarice is real, and we are way too greedy of a species to uh, just like, yo, maybe we shouldn't put all the gold on Paul's boat, guys. What do you say? Maybe we should divvy that up first and... Right, and I mean, That's, capitalism is a great is a great thing because it gives you the ability to set up future generations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now, at that, you know, like it's in human nature to be greedy, you know, to always want more for you know some. Like once you get a taste of something, you keep wanting to have it. Right. Um, but that comes down to each individual. I yeah, I think it's way greedier to have like say like Marxism on a federal level. Where you have the feds come in and say that actually you can't have this. This well, this property is theft. So what we're going to do, ironically, is thieve it from you right. to where you and, can't have. And it. that's one of the things about the founding fathers is like they recognized when they wrote our government, when they wrote the Constitution, and everything, the way our government was set up, they did not want the government to be able to come in and take property or tell people what they can and cannot have because that's what they established that country to fight against. Yeah, they the saw British. the long haul. Yeah, they saw it's, what it's, the long process was out of that, and they sort of like, this isn't what we want for you know the United States. And it's crazy now that people are just like, oh, well, we should do that. And it's just like, so it, it makes me think of like, did people not take U.S. history in high school, or did we all just snooze through it, or... Or what? I, th I think a lot of it has to do, at least at least around here, um, where you have the notion of uh, young adults rebelling against the primary culture. Right. So it makes sense why you would have folks in you know the buckle of the Bible Belt rebel blue, right? right. Because primary culture around here is is red. Right. 
versus like I've got friends online that are in like like really really big cities and their way to rebel against all of the uh, the progressive marketing was to instead just now nah, I'm gonna turn inward and focus on cultivating the land and having guns to protect uh, my property and you know starting a family and doing like really traditional values right so I, I think uh, some of these folks that again from here they sort of get stuck in this notion of like well I rebelled against the system and I found the truth it's like yeah but you didn't turn that critical eye back inward again right. as an adult and be like okay so how am I maybe being manipulated and indoctrinated with ideology and that's the thing is that people don't do enough self evaluation and as me like in the position like being being an officer being in the military and like me being a supervisor of people in the military whenever I do stuff I'm constantly self-reflecting and making sure that I'm not the the issues that I was coming up when I was a young person in the military and I'm having you know bad supervisors and everything like that that I am not instilling that on you know putting that type of hurt onto my troops because it's not fair to them right you know like nor wise as far as the adult if you know no and that can be like demoralizing Mm -hmm. it it, it, it can be and it's one of those things of as a leader a leader will always look at when there's when an issue happens when something goes wrong you look at yourself first Mm -hmm. right that's the difference between somebody who's just in charge yeah a a boss boss and a leader a boss will say it is your fault a leader will look at himself and be like where did i fail and that's what I've been brought up and how I've like I've had just an amazing set of supervisors both in the military and in law enforcement, you know, and people to mentor me to be able to be all like, hey, look at yourself first before you start looking at others. Because it was easy when I was a junior enlisted, I would just be like, Oh man, like it's their fault and everything like that. But when I became an NCO myself, I was just like, nah, let me see if I failed them at some point. Yeah. Now if I did not fail you at any point, then I'm be like, All right, now this is all on you. But if I had failed them, then I'll be like, I, I literally will go to, to my troops and be all like, I failed you. Okay? This is a mistake. And I promise you that I will not do this again. And that is and that is how uh, you know I was mentored. Well, you gotta, you gotta be accountable for oneself. You know right. what I mean? What's um, in a lot of times, and something that probably took me longer to realize than it should was that a fair amount of times you can be promoted by failing. You can fail yourself up. Oh yeah. Just from saying that, like, like, yeah, that was my fault. Even if, like you said, like if it's somebody that you're accountable for, and they may have botched something up, but if it's still something you can take accountability for right and not just throw like somebody who's under you underneath the bus instead right. it's going to look better on you like you're you're taking responsibility for it you're not blaming other people and right. you're offering a solution to improve as right well. and i think but the issue and that's a and that's a great way of, of you know showing leadership and everything like that i think the biggest problem is is that like culture and everything like that taking accepting accountability and responsibility of things when things go wrong is not inherent in anybody to be like I'm gonna get in trouble if I do this I can do this you know in order for my people you know for my for my subordinates my employees like whatever capacity that is like I could do this but 
I'm essentially going to hurt myself and do it. So people, a lot of times, I think people think of, well, I can't advance if I do this, so I'm not going to do it. Right. And what a lot of times is like, if you are good at what you do, in the like, you should have accolades shouldn't mean much to you. The merits of what you do, the constant what people see you do every day, is what is what you should want a promotion based off of the fact that I am able and there's confidence in me, not just I sucked up enough and I got the position right. or I sucked up enough and I got promoted or anything like that. You should want to. Yeah. Because then at that point you can just become stagnant in your career because right. like, you can only kiss so much ass to a certain height. I mean, some people can kiss it all the way up though. I, I think they may be doing a little more than kissing. ass. Hey, <laughs> for some people, it's whatever it takes. You want some more? Uh, some more water? I'm good. You good? Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you uh, while you're here the uh, thoughts you have as a law enforcement agent, uh, as it pertains to concepts like the thin blue line and the back the blue and these notions. So. Are you meaning like in contrary to like, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter thing and everything like that? Well, kind of. It's more or less in this one, one uh, take uh, that you can make on it is that it is not necessarily acknowledging accountability in the same regard, right? Right. Wherein some of these examples we've talked about uh, throughout this episode where you have microcosms of Pigs, bad cops, and pigs right. can exist in any job profession. It is not exclusive to law enforcement. No, but there's uh, a good example was a uh, Louisville uh, after the the no knock warrant fiasco happened. Right, and there was uh, an issue where the mayor he was he had done something like uh, protected or endorsed like the no knock warrant or something like after it happened to say like oh no everything is by the books. Right. All but uh, uh, like four or five officers at this particular police gala got up and walked out as a demonstration to say, no, fuck that. Like, we're not doing this back the blue with you guys involved. The, so the entire precinct walked out right. as a protest to the mayor and these particular rogue cops. Right. So to me, that, that that speaks volumes as far as like that's the community is the group of officers that were like, no, nah, we're not a part of that. Right. But yet, an ideological principle, if you're going to take a hard line look at like the thin blue line, is that always support the law enforcement agents, even if they're breaking the constitution. So that in that whole idea idea or stigma comes from back in the day when you know cops would do that it's just like hey it's always uh, it's it comes from a us versus them mentality right right but like since i've been in law enforcement it hasn't nobody's been like oh black back the blue regardless of what they do if somebody screws up and everything like that it's always been like no we're gonna hold like if you screwed up like it's like you're screwed like you're you're fucked man well, this is like, that's the biggest thing is it's like with the amount of responsibility and I don't want to say power, but like the, like we, we're granted by, by the state and by the federal government, the ability to 
seize somebody's freedoms, you know, like seizure of somebody's freedoms with, you know, the having the within justification taking life being the ultimate seizure because you can't seize nothing more past somebody's life, right? True. Yeah. So with that, with having that much responsibility and everything like that, the whole of oh well, they just did it just to, or you know, hey, he messed up, but he's one of us. It's still good. Since I've been in law enforcement, it hasn't been that. It's like because I've seen cops getting like, like arrested, like with internal, external, no like from ex- internal agencies, external agencies, um, people getting arrested and then just being all like there's no like oh well you know we're just gonna we'll have you on the payroll or anything just so that way we'll see what happens in the course no being terminated and stuff for you know misdemeanor offenses and stuff like that like the, the, the whole thing of like back the blue is we support it's it's now of we support each other but if you're not, if you're if you're screwing up, that's like you're on your own. Like if you broke if you break the law, if you break the public's trust, nobody like nobody I know is going to be backing you. Not all oh, cops that I know around the nation. If you broke the broke the law and you've betrayed the badge, like that, you you don't even you're not even on that line anymore. You've Taking yourself out of that whole category, regardless right. of how many years you put in as a cop. Like once you cross, once you've crossed over, and you've betrayed the public's trust, and and you've violated the law. Like you're on your own, bud. So, uh, what about in regards to, and um, not not around here, but in some of these uh, more egregious uh, states during the COVID lockdowns, where you would have like these cops come in that were no longer honoring the constitution they were essentially the governor's army to go in and enforce and arrest certain people like even in california where they would release prisoners from uh you know incarceration due to covid right yet if you were running a restaurant or a hair salon and you didn't have the permission to do so you got taken to jail like and then that becomes the whole internal politics of whatever is the policy of the department and the city and the municipality and everything right. like that. Because as I always, but it's, it would be like like that to me is like like blatantly like them displaying that they don't care about the public's trust in that regard. Right. So, and that's why I always tell people is just like as police officers, right. We don't make the laws; we just enforce them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if you and it's just like any other job or like a career job or something like that, um, it's not so easy just to be all like one day they were just like, "Hey, we're gonna like, for example, uh, locking up a hairdresser." It's like, "Hey, well, I'm not, I'm not doing this." I and you'd be like, "Well, this is the duty, and you know, there's always paperwork saying right. like this is the code that you're enforcing. So, are you refusing to enforce? You know." enforce the laws that are put ahead of you and you say yes that's a, good, that's a good point okay so let me ask you this what what would somebody have to do or what could somebody do if they're a cop and they notice that say like a, a law an edict has been handed down from like the governor with their executive powers and a state of emergency right but the law itself is unconstitutional well, and if they're if they're hip to it, like they're hip to that, and they're like, this kind of goes against my oath that like I took to uphold I, the constitution. I, and as it says, like as 
what what could but what could they do in that circumstance? I mean, so me personally, if a law came down that was unconstitutional, right, and somebody told me that like you will enforce this law, and if it is unconstitutional, me personally, I'm not going to enforce it. I'll be like, well, I'm not going to enforce this law because it is unconstitutional. Now, what happens disciplinary after that? Who knows? Like right. it could be like okay, well, it could go from you're on the radio for the next uh, six or months. You like you're like you're sitting at the, the department, or you know they take me or all the way up to just being terminated and everything like that. But I mean, it's one of those things of like when you if you feel that a law is unconstitutional by declare by you know giving your oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, it it does fall on to you to be all like this is unconstitutional and you know speak up about it so easier said than done it is way easier said than done because a lot of times is and that's why i say it's like as police like this is the laws that we are given this is the enforcement that we're given we don't make it we're just having to do so because cops are people too have families and bills just like everybody else and everything like that and in a lot of places like they don't they don't they don't pay that good like you ain't you ain't you ain't gonna become a millionaire being being a cop you know True. it's <laughs> like being a police officer isn't the business of making money so it's it's always easier said than done to be all like oh well i'll just quit like somebody will always say like oh well you could always quit it's like well i could but kids yeah, <laughs> right. everything like that so I think what it would come down to and it's always hard for the one individual to stand up by themselves and that's mm-hmm. in anything when anybody thinks totally it goes back to the uh, elevator uh, discussion yeah, earlier exactly it's it's harder to be that one guy who's still still looking at the door while everybody's looking at the wall mm-hmm. it's really hard to do that but that's that comes down to the individual, like their personal fortitude and everything like that. Um, and that's why I could say personally from like, you know, the time I've served in the military and everything like that, if something's unconstitutional, I'm not going to do it. That's just me personally. Have you ever run across that in the military or no, uh, law I, enforcement where you had to say that, like, I don't, I don't think this is ethically uh, uh, sound? No. No, and I mean, and I've been blessed enough to not actually have to deal, been put into those type of situations. That's good. Yeah, I've been blessed <laughs> enough, but has, has we're gonna need you to gas this uh, schoolhouse real quick. There's not, terrorists in it. <laughs> not. <laughs> there's other. There's other means and means that we use to make sure that if there are terrorists in there, if there are hostages in there, that. Uh, it, there's a lot more methodical process that goes into there. I would, I would imagine so than yeah. just one guy just saying, "Yeah, that's the spot." Just uh, yeah, just hit that button. Some people think that like, oh well, you know, <laughs> you just go around and be like, oh well, there's a building, there's terrorists in there, but they're innocent people. We'll just drop the bomb on it. Like that, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> I imagine that would probably ruffle a few feathers in the uh, international community anyway. If, uh, yeah, just started to and it's one of those things of like a lot of Western militaries. We go through so much avoidance to try to to mitigate threats to civilian populations and stuff like that. Now, right. Terrorists, on the other hand, they don't care. They really don't care. <laughs> and that's the same thing. Like when it goes with criminals, like criminals do not care. 
Mm. They don't have to play by any rules. Yeah. There's no code of conduct for being a terrorist or a criminal or anything like that. But when you're when your job is to counter those guys, you know, counter that, there is a big playbook and there is a big rule book of things that you can and cannot do. And that and it leads and it's like those those charts where it's like if this yes, if this no. Right. Like there's a lot of that that goes along. And they're huge. It's a huge process. So but somebody doing something unconstitutional well, it essentially what ends up happening is that if somebody believes that their constitutional right is being being violated, right? They can take the they can sue the city in the court. If they can find if you can if it is absolutely unconstitutional, you can like people have that's what the civil system's for. You have the, the criminal system and you have the civil system. If you're believed your rights have been violated, you can take them all away. You can take a, a court. You can take the freaking the department, the, the city, the state, like where, as far as you you want to take it. Like there's there's that avenue for people who believe that their rights are violated. I, th- I think that that avenue probably doesn't get pursued a lot of times because people feel that it won't work because they feel that the system is too big for them to win against. Right, and and you sit there and think of like in terms of. And this is one of those things of like if you if it's blatant that your constitutional rights are violated, there's not there are a lot of a lot of times there are lawyers who are, who literally sit looking at their phone, waiting for those types of cases. <laughs> True, I'm being for real. Like they're waiting for one of those cut and dry constitutional constitutional uh, violations. They're waiting for them. They are ready and waiting for them. And yes, sure. If your if your goal is to go up against you know like a government agency, is it going to is it going to be an easy process? No, it's going to be a long drawn out process. It's it's going to be, but by doing so, you you make sure that you receive proper justice, though. And I always tell people is like if you feel that you've been wronged by something. There's a civil system and stuff like that. Yeah, like, absolutely. It it's it's painstaking. It's complicated and everything like that. But if you can't receive justice through the criminal system, there's always a civil system. And I always advocate people to to use whatever forms of whatever form that they can in order to ensure that you know wrongs get righted. Hell yeah. Dude, we've talked for over two hours so far. Jesus. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Dude, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. It was uh, really a, a lot of fun. To, yeah, man. It's my pleasure. You. Hell yeah. Well, is there... Uh, I know uh, we got to be a, a little bit uh, with that anonymity, but is there anything you want to uh, give out, shout out, recommend, books, literature, shows, ideas, anything? Uh, <laughs> make, make the world a better place in 30 seconds. Make the world a better place in 30 seconds. <laughs> Um, ironically, so, he says, so first our, thing we should do is get rid of all the cops, right? No. Nah, so <laughs> one of the so one of the books that I I, I I read right, and this goes to the whole thing about leadership. Mm-hmm. It's Jocko Willick's Extreme Ownership. Like I haven't I like Jocko. I haven't read his book. Though. His his books are really good. Like if I, I, feel I like I would have to wake up at five a.m. just to start reading his book. Nah, you have to wake up like four thirty because that's when, that's when Jocko wakes up. Um, his books are really good. Um, 
you put me on the spot. I mean, that's the only thing I really got as far as leadership qualities and stuff like that. But if I had to leave anybody with any advice, it would be take each situation objectively and look at it from outside of a box. Do not take all information that you're that is presented in front of you as fact. Take the extra effort, whether it be 30 seconds to make to an hour, God knows how long. But seek the actual truth to every situation that you're involved in. And then I think you will I think people who will take that time and, and you know look look beyond the surface of things will find out that they might end up changing their preconceived, you know, their prejudices and things of that nature, and we'll find that it will actually help better them by doing so. Fucking A. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Later, y'all. <laughs>